the more when was sealed the promise what do you think of when you think of this word promises promises when was the last time you made a promise to somebody when was the last time somebody made a promise to you when was the last time you broke a promise or had a promise that was broken to you a promise made to you that was broken what is the expiration date on a promise it's like honey i promise i will get this project done And I'm still alive, so that promise is still intact. <laughs> Maybe when you think of this, this idea of promises, you think of the great 1983 breakup song by Naked Eyes, Promises, Promises. Or if you're of my generation, you may think of the great all for one, I swear by the moon and the stars and the sky, because when we think of promises, we think of swearing to something. But who sang I swear better. Was it all for one, or was it the Minions? <laughs> Throwback to the Minions. You ever find yourself, like say somebody walks in and they're on the phone and you're trying to figure out who they're talking to? Like my wife will come home from work and I'm in the kitchen or something and she's on the phone and I'm like, who are you talking to? And I try to catch, catch what she's saying, and then she tries to tell me. I'm like, what? Who are you talking to? Typically, it's her grandmother. I can tell that when she says, okay, well, I got to go for the seventh time. If you're watching, Rosalie, I see you. We love you. Part of what we have here is some of us just showed up. Like we decided that Minnesota is okay around Memorial Day, so we show up. And so then we jump into Galatians as if we have entered into this conversation that we don't actually know what's going on. So what I want to do today is something different. I want to actually start in verse 1 of chapter 3 because it's a big shift in Paul's letter to the Galatians. And then we'll get to the text that we're going to talk about today. But I'm, I've been on this... Um, campaign, I guess you would say, to talk about the importance of reading large chunks of Scripture together, and so let's continue that. So we're going to start uh, in verse 1, and then we'll get to 15 through 18. So Paul says to the, to the Galatians, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know that it is those of faith who are sons and daughters of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall the nations, all nations, be blessed. Then those who are of faith are blessed among with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed, for every, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 
For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers and sisters, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it is ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ, this is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it, is no, long, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. So just to remind us, Paul planted this church in this region of Galatia. He has now left the church. Other people have come in and they are drawing the people away from the gospel that Paul has proclaimed to them. Paul loves these people very dearly. He talks about them as his children, as his brothers and sisters. And so he is writing to them out of agony, knowing what they are going through and how they have been led astray. And so he wants to remind them of the reality of who God is and what he has said through Scripture. And so he's using these references to people like Abraham and to the law. It is much like last week when our friend Dan Hash, who's the missionary in Poland, was here and he was talking about the Bible and how we need to come with the Bible and we say, the Bible sits over here and we sit with our friends and we read the Bible together. Versus standing up from a stage and saying, you should do this, you should do this. We come together to the text. And so Paul is coming alongside of them as his loved ones and saying, oh, my brothers and sisters, my children, it pains me that something has happened and something has led you astray. Let me remind you. Let's remind ourselves of what is taking place. And so he goes back and he references this promise that was made to Abraham. And as John talked about a few weeks ago, we go back to Galatia, or Galatians. We go back to Genesis and we look at the story of Abraham and how God goes to Abram before he's Abraham and he makes this promise to him that he's going to make a great nation out of him and he's going to give him many children. And through Abraham, who is not a Jew, all nations will be blessed. And so if you go back and read through the story of Abraham, 15 times the writer of Genesis uses this word promise. And it's a reminder to Abraham, God is making this covenant, this promise. And he's reminding the Galatians that that promise still rings true to them then and to us today. So it was May 26th. It wasn't this Friday because this Friday was much nicer. It was a classic Memorial Day weekend in Sioux Falls. There was a chance of rain in the morning. It was a bit breezy. But, but the plan was to be at Tothill Park, which is outside. And so uh, citingweather.com, we had decided that we were going to commit to this outside thing. And we've been praying and praying and and I said, God, I believe that this is going to happen. And then it happened. May 26, 2001, 1 o'clock, she comes out of the house and comes down the aisle. 
And there we stood and made promises to each other. Because that's what I think about when I think about these ideas of promises. It's a covenant. I agree to this no matter what you do. And that's what Abraham does, or that's what God does to Abraham. He goes to Abraham and he says, I promise that I will make a great nation of you. Period. That's it. Unlike the law, which he references here, and he's going to reference, and he continues to reference the law, that word law occurs probably the most out of any word in the book of Galatians. The law is requirement. Promise has no requirement. Promise is all one party doing for another party. And so Paul is reminding the Galatians about this promise that God had made to Abraham. This covenant. And he uses this human example of the covenant because he says no one annuls a covenant. Another way to look at this is through the what we would call a last will and testament. And John Stott says this. He says, such was God's promise. It was free and unconditional to Abraham. As we might say, there were no strings attached. There were no works to do, no laws to obey, no merit to establish, no conditions to fulfill. God simply said, I will give you a seed. To your seed, I will give the land. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. His promise was like a will, freely given the inheritance to a future generation. And like a human will, this divine promise is unalterable. It is still in force today, for it has never been rescinded. God does not make promises in order to break them. He has never annulled or modified his will. So this promise that he makes to Abraham all these years ago, centuries upon centuries upon millennia ago, 2000 BC, God makes a promise to Abraham. And what is the beautiful thing about that is Paul says that thing hasn't changed. That thing has not changed. He says, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. So he draws this invisible string. Yep, that's what I meant. From Abraham all the way through to Christ and then all the way to the Galatian church. And so for somebody who, who has heard and is hearing from the Judaizers, no, the law is of most importance. You have to follow the law. You have to become a Jew in order to be a follower of Christ. This, Paul says, no. God made this promise to Abraham and that promise comes all the way through to fruition in Jesus Christ, the offspring of Abraham. And now many of us, some of us, maybe a few of us are familiar with, you know, Abraham, he doesn't believe God. And so he has, 
you know, a, a child by his mistress or his servant lady, Hagar, and then God says, okay, I made this promise to you. I know it's been 25 years. So ladies, if your husband promised 25 years ago, he may still fulfill that promise on, on painting that thing. I mean, it's biblical. God waited 25 years to make the promise to Abraham come to fruition in his son, okay? And everyone thinks about the offspring of Abraham. And Paul says, see this? All the way through Scripture, it comes all the way to Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, the promise of Abraham is signed, sealed, and delivered granting access to all who come by faith to God. The righteousness of Christ is given to us if we will accept it. The promise that God has been keeping for millennia, Paul is reminding, reminding the Galatians that, that you are being led astray. You think that you have to do all these things, and you don't. That's what a promise is. A promise is something that does not require anything from the person who's receiving the promise. And notice, he even gives us some dating. Okay, so... We all are aware, I think we've had this conversation before, the stamp on your food products is a sell-by date. We're familiar with this? Like the milk that's in your fridge, not like the milk, the, half, the gallon that I dropped in the parking lot at the shopping store and proceeded to erupt all over the, all over the parking lot on Friday after I had spent far too long in Costco. That's a suggested sell-by date. That's not an expiration date. Right? We are aware of this. The cheese that has mold on it, it's not expired, it's just aged. <laughs> the yogurt, the sour cream, you know, that is your milk that was supposed to be sold, you know, like six months ago. And now it's in your free fridge in a container and you love it on your tacos. Can I get an Amen. For some of us, we see these promises as having this expiration date. And, and Paul so brilliantly points out, okay, so I'm getting hopefully my new lenses this week, <laughs> my transition lenses or my uh, progressive lenses so I can read my Bible. <laughs> he says, this is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years after. And that's not even actually a correct estimation. This is the time between the promise and the arrival of Moses in Egypt. This isn't even when the law arrives, but, but he makes this reference to 430 years. It does not annul or cancel out this covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. The law does not supersede the promise. The law that is given to Moses on Sinai is, does not make the promise of Abraham void. 
And so when we fast forward to the Galatian church and how these Gentiles are being brought into the fold of Christ, they have to be reminded that it isn't about what you do. Our righteousness, our right standing before God, because this word that, is, that we translate into English as justified is the same word for righteousness, being made right before God, being brought into a whole relationship with God, isn't about what we do. We are brought into a right relationship with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that is a fulfillment of the promise to Abraham, and that is how we are brought into relationship with God. And then everything after that that we do isn't about gaining more status with God. It is out of our love for God. I don't get up in the morning and make coffee for my wife because I promised to her on May 26, 2001 at Tut Hill, which at that point she didn't even drink coffee, that I will make coffee for you in the mornings when I'm home. I do that out of love for her. So we can easily go, well, okay, so then I don't have to do anything because I've, you know, I'm, I'm in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, so now I'm good. Except Everything after that is out of love for God and for Jesus Christ. And so our lives and the transformation that happens and the change that happens in our lives and the desire that we have to love and honor God through our actions and our words and all that we have is because of the rightness that we have with God. We aren't made right with God by what we do we are made right with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And everything we do after that is in, as Paul says, the freedom. The freedom that we have. Because again, the Galatians are entrapped by these people that are trying to convince them, you aren't doing enough. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought that, like, I've got to get myself cleaned up a little bit. And then, then I can start this relationship with Jesus. Once I have a few things in line, then it will be time. Or maybe we have come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have veered off the path and made some, some particular choices that aren't honoring to God. We're like, what do I have to do to get right with God again? Accept the promise. Accept the gift. Accept the offering. We talk about this idea of repentance, meaning turning from what we are doing and turning back to God. We cannot do enough to be in a right relationship with God. And that is what Paul continues to talk about to the Galatian church. It's not about the law. It's not about the things that we do. It's not about the performance that we make. It's not about the status that we have. It is about the promise that God made to Abraham all those millennia ago that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ that opens up the doorway and the pathway for us to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, not because of what we've done, 
Not because of where we're born, not because of the blood that runs in our veins, because we are human beings that Jesus Christ died on the cross for and wants to free from the entrapment of the sin that exists and creeps into our lives so that we can experience the joy of his salvation today. That is the freedom that the promise gave to Abraham and is fulfilled in Christ and is still the same today. And that is the good news. That is the promise. And Paul reminds them, yes, the law came, and the law he's going to talk about, he says in the next verse, why then the law? Great question, Paul. Come back next week. (laughs) Or a novel idea, you could keep reading. (laughs) No one stops 10 minutes into a show and is like, I'm going to save the rest of this show for next week. That was a really good part. Let's just pause. Now, if you fall asleep on the couch on Friday night at 9 o'clock, you get a pass. I mean, hypothetically speaking, if you live at 21471, right? He says, for if the inheritance, okay, last will and testament, comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Because again, this, the use of these words that Paul has is so important. Because he talks about this idea of inheritance. And how do we receive inheritance? Typically, it's through somebody in our family that chooses to pass things down. Unless you're Taylor Swift's daughter-in-law and you have this idea and then you get nothing. And Paul is saying we are in the family of God because of the promise to Abraham, the through line to Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection, and the continuation of that inheritance in Christ to all people. And he says it's not by the law. The law served a purpose, but we're not talking about the law. We're talking about the promise of Jesus Christ. And again, I know it can be so hard. (laughs) You know, again, hypothetically speaking, if you're like a doer, then you go to the Home Depot because you can get more done. (laughs) If you're a doer like me, you're like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Somebody somebody said to me that after the last Wednesday night. They were like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. So when we function in that mentality, we're like, what do I have to do to earn God's love? Nothing. God loves you because you are you. God loves us because we are his people that he has created in his image and likeness. Well, that can't be right. There's got to be something that I have to do. Accept. Accept the gift. Accept the promise. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Accept the reality of this promise that God has made and kept 
for millennia that you and I and we are enough and God loves us so much and he doesn't want us to be trapped in the enslavement to sin and suffering and all of the things of this world. He wants to grant us freedom to be in right relationship with him through Jesus Christ and all we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is say, yes, God, I believe you, I trust you, I want to accept that. And then from there, it gets really exciting. Read the Sermon on the Mount. That's it. Eric, that can't be right. You don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter. Abraham didn't believe God over and over, and God still kept his promise. Paul talks about how he has done all these things and yet God, he starts this letter by saying, I did all these things and God loved me and he broke through to me and he loves us. And the promise of God remains the same today. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are and the acceptance of the offering that Jesus Christ has for us. That's how we become into right relationship with God. And then from there, it gets really fun and exciting and super hard. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today anchored in the reality of this promise that you made to Abram so many millennia ago. Anchored in the hope and the truth of the love that you have for us the fulfillment of your promise through your son, Jesus Christ. Through this letter that Paul writes to his friends and his loved ones. Holy Spirit, would you break through to us today? Would you break through the noise and the doubt and the confusion and the lies that exist in our lives that we have to do something, we have to do something enough to make you love us, that that is a lie, a bald-faced lie from the enemy. You love us, you care for us, you have created a pathway for us to be in right relationship with you. And when you make a promise, you keep that promise. And Holy Spirit, just remind us Allow us to extend out our hands and receive the love and the grace and the gift and the fulfillment of your promise. And then to live in that freedom and the joy and everything that comes with that. In Jesus' name, amen.